Hey there everybody, this is the NPC Graveyard, I am the NPC, and it is horror time with April Fool's Day from 1986. April Fool's, we're not actually doing that. Today we are straight from the B-side with The Midnight Man from 2016 and The Midnight Game from 2013. I picked up The Midnight Man recently and decided why not do both since they're from the same category and use the same lore. In Midnight Man, we have a trigger warning for suicide and animal abuse, and in Midnight Game for mental illness and suicide. Spoilers to follow on both films. Alright, let's get to it. So both stories focus on a group of teenagers, or young adults, who gather together for one reason or another. They find the complex rules for a ritual called the Midnight Game and decide to play. Over the course of the night, they soon discover the harmless game was actually a means to summon an otherworldly figure who preys on their deepest fears. Let's start with The Midnight Man. This movie focuses on a girl named Alex, who has taken care of her elderly grandmother, Anna. As a child, Anna was the lone survivor of a group of children playing the game, and has been haunted by it ever since. Of course she also suffers from dementia, so... Everyone just sums up her erratic behavior to that. She asks Alex to find one of her favorite mirrors from the attic, which happens to be placed in a box with all the tools and instructions for playing the midnight game. Her friend Miles comes over to keep her company, and they decide to play. Why not? These fuckers literally go step by step as they read the instructions. Not reading the fine print or even realizing that half of the page is missing until after they've already started playing. And that's when everything goes to hell. Both of them allow their candles to go out while they're separated. Yep, they separated. The Midnight Man appears and starts to torture each of them with illusions of their greatest fear before being interrupted for one reason or another. They end up calling over their, and I quote, going through a goth phase friend Kelly. She immediately yells at them, breaking the metal wall by reciting creepypastas at them before joining the game so she can help protect them and guide them through the process. But they just keep making mistake after mistake. They carry candles under leaking pipes, lose count of matches, and continue to split up and then get distracted, leaving each other alone. On and on and on in such a way that my head started to hurt just watching them. I know that they're doing this at like 2 in the morning, but adrenaline has to count for something. Did I mention the big names in this movie? It was a regular Nightmare on Elm Street reunion for Robert England and Lynn Shay. Lynn plays the grandmother, and Robert plays her doctor. For their limited screen time, the two stole the show. The setup for the film was actually pretty dry until Alex and Miles found the game. Anna appears out of nowhere behind them, screaming a long, piercing shriek at the two of them while pointing at the game. That jump scare saved the first act. Dr. Harding came up to check on her after that episode, but then comes back later that evening from a bad hunch. It turns out that he was also at the same party as Anna as a child, surviving only because the big kids wouldn't let him play. He still had to suffer from watching all his friends die, 
while hiding from the Midnight Man. His role becomes that of a light harbinger, giving the players more information on the game and how they're pretty much fucked. While around characters, let's move on to the antagonist. In this version, the Midnight Man is a type of pagan deity who survives on people's fears. He looks like what a withered tree would be if it came to life and put on a cloak. And thus my bigger complaints start. He actually appears in full light on the front cover itself. I've said it before, but the monster is always scarier when you don't fully know what it is. He's very engaging too, talking to the players in an almost Freddy Krueger taunt as he meets up with each of them. The voice is almost comedically deep, stereotypically bad guy kind of way, and it really just ruined the whole presence of it. Another thing that really got me was Kelly's fear. She may have been the smartest of playing by the rules and trying to outwit the Midnight Man, but her fear... Yeah. She had apparently murdered a rabbit as a child, so the rabbit came back. As a guy dressed in a bunny suit. Not like Donnie Darko Bunny, but more like if the fourth killer from Your Next was thrown out of the group because no one took him seriously. But the film did make up for it with Alex's nightmare. Subconsciously afraid of blood, but you know, not enough to not share an old, unsterilized needle with her friends. She burst from a bathtub full of the red liquid, slipping and sliding in a fruitless attempt to get the sticky liquid off her body. Oddly, the big thing I liked about this movie, besides the big scream, was the body drag. At some point after killing someone, the Midnight Man would appear to claim their body by dragging it away into the darkness. Just the sound alone was enough to take me back to the post-dying cutaway scene from Silent Hill 3, which is probably the only reason I liked it. Nostalgia is good, listeners. But at the end of the day, The Midnight Man was a good try, but didn't really hit the mark. Next we have The Midnight Game. We switch gears a bit here. This time we have high school idiots instead of college idiots. They gather at a friend's empty house for a party. One of the jocks brings over the instructions for the midnight game because he thought it would be a good way to get the girls hot for later. Now I'm going to stop here for a second, listener. Fear is not the best catalyst to get in someone's pants. Yes, the adrenaline rush cooldown can mimic arousal. Yes, couples go through haunted house slash tunnels of love rides as an excuse to accidentally grope one another. And yes, some people are just flat out turned on by horror. However, using a dark ritual found on the internet to summon a demon will not get your dick wet. It will get it cut off. So we have our cast of characters start off with Caitlin's mother leaving her unattended for that weekend. I don't know, she goes off for work, it's never really explained. But that's not important. Her friends Rose and Jenna come over immediately, and later that evening, Jeff and Shane sneak in at Jenna's insistence. Shane starts obsessing over the group playing the game, never revealing any of the bad stories he heard until the end of the film, 
since he figured that they were all just stories on the internet. Jackass. They all start getting buzzed, talking about their individual fears, until finally midnight approaches and everyone decides to play. I will say that I appreciate that the Midnight Man is more considered in this film. They put a lot more emphasis on how the game is supposed to teach people that they need to play by the rules. This one doesn't cheat, and only punishes our cast if they actually broke the damn rules. The kids are, once again, stupid for sharing a needle to draw blood, but I will give them credit for checking to make sure that they have enough salt and matches before they start playing. Of course, the more they drink, the more poor decisions they make. Ignoring obvious red flags like phantom drafts, footsteps from empty rooms, and heavy furniture being moved by itself, was all lapsed until they actually started getting scared. And once they realized it was real, they started to go into full-blown panic. It became obvious that they were in over their heads once the lights refused to turn on, even though the electric clock was still on ticking away the long stretch of time they still had to go. Eventually, they all ended up crouching together in a small circle of salt, passing out until time was up and the power clicked back on. They had all fallen out of the circle, their candles extinguished, and a shadowy figure moved over them before time ran out. They grumpily laughed about surviving, despite breaking the rules, before they all went to bed. The next morning, they all woke up to find that their fears were slowly coming to life. Jenna was afraid of going insane, only to become prone to rapid, sometimes violent, mood swings, paranoia, and visions of another her encouraging her to kill herself or everyone around her. Caitlin had a fear of heights. She probably received the least amount of attention on that regard. Only once on a hike did she almost slip off of a cliff, but for the rest of the way home she needed constant support to even stop her from falling to ground level dirt. I want to touch on this point again. In The Midnight Man, we only get one fairly quick scene of each character's fear. In this movie, we get a steady buildup over the course of the entire second and third acts. It just gets worse and worse over time. And that's why I prefer a film with a lot of invested buildup to one with endless jump scares. Because it creates a sense of foreboding dread instead of a quick shock, calm down, repeat. I'm sure there's a male versus female orgasm joke here, but we're adults, so we're just going to move on instead. Jeff is claustrophobic. He disappears early that morning, only to be found trapped in a chest-high freezer in the basement the next night. And then we have Rose, who is probably my favorite character. Not because she's also named after my wife, that's just a coincidence. She has a fear of ghosts, which is a little complicated to manifest. When she's all alone, objects in the house begin to move on their own. There is one scene that I love, where she sees an empty rocking chair moving by itself. The camera turns and the audience gets a partial cut of an obviously dead rose rocking in the chair. It was beautiful. Because of her fear of the undead, she's also the only one to actually see the Midnight Man. Now, I'm going to break off again to give another little tangent. I am super tired of the horn-headed, hooved-feet demonic stereotype. 
It was a scary close-up the first time I saw it in Insidious, but now it just feels overdone. Last but not least, we have Shane. Shane who started the game. Shane who did not admit to having any fears. Shane who just ended up being a witness to it all. I'm not going to say the writers ran out of ideas, but I could have accepted a small, panicked, heartfelt monologue of him admitting that he didn't want to end up alone or messing things up for everyone around him, but you get the idea. The movie ends with everyone waking up the second early morning. Everything seemingly all right. Jeff comes back with a plausible explanation of his whereabouts, and everyone puts it off as a bad dream before going to bed. Yep, they thought that after everything had just gone to hell, that they could just play the game again, try following the rules, and then would all just disappear. But the next dawn arrives, where it's revealed by a house realtor that decades had passed instead of hours. With Rose and Jenna pulling up in front of the house the same way the house ah, with the same way that the movie opened. And we find that their ghosts have been trapped in the same loop over and over again. I will say this. I like this movie more. From the get-go we have creepy still photographs accompanied by a soft piano music instead of just being thrown right into the thick of it. In case you haven't gotten this from my previous episodes, I like a fair amount of suspense served up with my horror. In cases like this, the simple, low-budget tricks are better. Whenever someone starts to hallucinate or to die, the screen turns into, like, the classic video fuzz of a camera malfunctioning. It gives a nice flow into the fact that this film was kind of a mindfuck. Like, not a true one that you'd get in, like, especially the foreign films, but it was especially for the characters since the whole lore is based off someone hallucinating to their own fears. The fuzz is a welcome change from the usual wonky colors or distorted twisting imagery that many other films will use. And it gets a bonus for actually creatively warning people not to play the game in the credits. Thank you. So yeah, despite being on the B-side, I still give this film high marks. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. Don't play games from the dark side of the internet. And welcome to the graveyard. <laughs>